Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the On The Box podcast, the television show podcast on the Anfield Index podcast channel. It's still the Game of Thrones season. Well, it's the final one, episode seven of season seven. We're all quite sad about that. The episode title, The Dragon and the Wolf, I wonder why it's called that. We'll talk about it right now. And joining me, I've got a bunch of regulars from this podcast. Um, she's usually on the B show, her show. It's the Nina Kauza. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I'm going to get you back every week that you're on my show. <laughs> I know, I'm just going to take it, I'm just going to suck it up. Thank you for having me. No worries, I'm the best, this, this is one of the best episodes. Uh, returning also, after last week's episode, Miss DJ Jessel, how are you doing Jess? I'm very well, thanks Gags, how are you? Yeah, some good feedback mate, last week. It was good, oh, very good. Yep. It was good. And returning, and he's not on a show with Joey Connors either, Mr. Mike Williams. <laughs> Journalist Hello extraordinaire there. writing everywhere. <laughs> Easy. Thank you. Great, great intro. <laughs> I just came up with it right now. Honestly, on the spot. I'm good like that sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're talking about Game of Thrones season seven. We've all, we're all quite sad actually because the season is over, but we have this episode to talk about, which was a bumper episode, 81 minutes long, the longest ever, which was nice because it's like a movie, a little mini movie, but let's get straight into it. The episode starts, guys, with basically everybody just getting together and um, getting to Dragon Pit. And there's little things happening. I mean, let's start with um, Mike. You're back after a long time. Let's ta- let's start with uh, the, the conversation between Cersei, the, the, <laughs> uh, Jamie, and the Mountain. Well, basically instructions. This is her plan. There's no trap. I was so surprised. Yeah, it seems a bit too... I don't know. It's hard to ever take Cersei too um, too literally and to actually take her word on what she means. Obviously, you know she's known for sort of backstabbing and having her vengeance on people. So um, I would never trust her anyway. The fact that she's actually met with these people or agreed to meet with them initially is quite an interesting turn of events. Obviously, getting everyone together, Daenerys and John, and then 
the Hound, the Mountain, Cersei, Jamie, everyone coming together. It's quite a big, it's a big moment because obviously Daenerys and, and uh, Cersei had never actually come across each other's paths before. So, yeah, it's a really nice kind of way to start it off. But um, in terms of the beginning of the episode, yeah, it's quite a nice sort of opener. Yeah. Uh, Jess, we'll come to you next. Um, on the ship, Jon Snow is talking about why the hell would anyone live in that? <laughs> it's his first visit. We forget, don't we? He's never been here before. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. However, Gags, I have to say, you didn't quite mention Bron and Jamie's opening exchange oh, where yes. they talk about Cox relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, and we're talking on the, the, the pre-Skype about I how I think... about that, but anyway... <laughs> I think um, Cox is the central theme of this episode. It's really important, you know. You've got you've got Bron talking about how uh, how uh, which the, an army of eunuchs who don't have cocks. Later on, Theon wins a fight by not having a cock. Uh, John uses his cock eventually. It's just the central theme. And you Littlefinger know. Uh, I, I, is exposed to be a cock. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Littlefinger exposes his cock. Sorry, he gets exposed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to all that but um you know what you've had that say nin um interesting how john's never been to king's landing right it's just it just it's just like he's like why would anybody live right there crammed one million people is what they came up with yeah i mean i don't know when i see john snow i think of like a true northerner and like just somebody who just thinks oh why would anyone live down south that kind of uh, mentality and it was, I mean, I, just to go back to what Mike said about the opening scene, the thing that I loved about it, first of all, um, I think Mike touched on this and you did as well, the fact that all these characters came together. And for me, it kind of has flashes of like the first ever episode of Game of Thrones when they were all together. It had that yeah. kind of vibe to it because obviously as, as the seasons progress, you lose characters, you become attached to others. So it was quite an iconic moment to have them all share the set. And I thought that was a, a good payoff for um you know people who love game of thrones yeah guys if you feel free to just jump in you know as soon as someone's finished a point and uh before i move mm-hmm. on to stuff as well if you want to uh because there's obviously four of us on today but great points there nin i, I totally agree some of these characters have not shared screen space since that first two or three episodes it's great to see i mean uh, daenerys has not been in in scenes with many of these characters ever so it, it was just, it was just, you know, it was especially. I love how she came in as well I on know. her dragons. It was like flying Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's basically flown in, and she's she's obviously trying to do it to scare them. It's a scare tactic. Yeah. I think that's what we yeah. want to say is that where's the where the tactics? The tactics were. Like um, Jessel said, you know, at the start, they were standing there uh, over the edge of the, the King's Landing Castle, whatever the castle is, I forget. Um, and um, and they're just looking at this army of, um, what's their names again? The, the, Unsullied. The Unsullied. The Unsullied. And then the Dothraki turn up. Yeah. So they're just like, okay, we can't touch them. And then a dragon turns up as well. Okay, so she's covered. <laughs> no, no one's touching her tonight doesn't matter if you've got the mountain or not <laughs> you know what i mean the dragon will just pick him up and take him but i mean jess let's come back to you what did you think of the opening exchanges then between everybody uh, Tyrion obviously taking it upon himself yeah it was very interesting it brings together lots of the characters um ones who haven't interacted for a long time like nina was saying um you've got brienne with jamie and the hound as well it's quite funny when she's talking with the hound about aria it's like they're kind of 
proud divorced parents talking about their kid or something you know, it's kind of bizarre and uh, and her exchange with Jamie which comes a little bit later on we'll get to that because that's really central to the episode um you've got the hound carrying the zombie on his back and or in that crate it's hilarious and uh, and then him versus the mountain which kind of sets up that Clagan bowl thing that everyone keeps talking about maybe next season but if you're talking about the actual politics when Tyrion comes out to talk to Cersei yeah you're right this sets everything up nicely for the episode this is a round of negotiations and some people might have thought this went quite slowly but negotiations usually do go quite slowly especially when you're hanging around waiting for uh, the Emirates flight to come in with uh, Daenerys on it so <laughs> there's a lot of tension there and I mean this is the central thing about Game of Thrones there is tension between all of these relationships yeah, like, I think the um, yeah. So I think the the thing that kind of attracted me was the tension between Cersei and Daenerys. Obviously, her lavish entrance really like annoyed Cersei enough that she actually commented on it. And the, this the friction between the two, just the fact that two two opposing queens have finally clashed in an attempt for like a ceasefire, basically, and they have such different ways of ruling. And I just think. It's it's just interesting to see Daenerys, the sort of the the uh, the, the good queen versus you know the potentially the well seeing the mad queen uh, as we saw in season six. But I really like their kind of dynamic on screen together because I've been waiting to sort of see them because obviously Cersei has been whether her prophecy from was it the Frog Witch when she was a child mm. and she was told someone of blonde hair will basically thing she loves yeah i mean there's lots of theories of who exactly that was whether initially it was marjorie whether it's daenerys or whether it is potentially her unborn child who will take everything from her and kill her in childbirth you just don't know but i think that's well, she doesn't sort of... have she doesn't have a child apparently you know it's she only has three ever so this fourth one's just not destined to be born i don't think so yeah it's a weird one there's i don't even know it's gonna happen so, so there's loads of things mm. gonna happen either she miscarries or she dies before it's mm. born you know mike i was really looking forward to seeing you know cersei and um, danny together as well and to be honest mm-hmm. they i thought cersei came across stronger in the in the scenes that they were in i thought obviously uh, daenerys seemed just really quiet mute she let other people do the talking for her uh, but mm-hmm. cersei was obviously the one that um, Nin, I'll come to you on this. She just seemed really, really strong to start with before they showed her the white, that is. Mm. Uh, she was just like yeah. batting everything out, you know, hitting everything for six. Nope, nope, nope. You know, one thing she, I did like about her and Jamie was telling Euron to shit the fuck up and sit down. <laughs> I thought that <laughs> yeah, was good. Um, uh, yeah, he was massively disrespectful, wasn't he? Is it uh, a hot head, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, I've, I've always kind of liked his character i think i've been on a few of these pods with you gags and i've kind of said that i've i've, I've, I've liked you ron mm. he's been good and a comedy yes. value for me but in that scene he really really pissed me off um i also before that i loved it um when um uh, what's he called the mountain and um his brother the hound they kind of he goes over and kind of squares up to him i just love the the tension you know just before the build-up of all that but yeah cersei i think what it kind of shows is she's a queen she's got experience and she was kind of i feel like in, in those situations she kind of channels her dad mm-hmm. yeah she's learned a lot from that doesn't she yeah, really she, and she, as she, she says uh, later on the episode she, 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 she named drops him, him a lot she named drops him every episode yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. thing is, she's got unquestionable. She kind of dad. Sorry, she she's got unquestionable yeah. authority, but mm. the problem is, is that once authority can't be questioned anymore, then you end up turning into a psychopath, which is what's happening to Cersei. Whereas Daenerys accepts that people can challenge her and keep her in line. And you and it's it, Nina's right. There's such an interesting contrast between Daenerys and Cersei, even so far as you know, a witch told both of them, "You can't have any more children," or words to that effect. And now they both, well, I don't know, Cersei's saying she's pregnant. You can pretty much bet Danny's going to be pregnant next season at some point, you would have thought. And here, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's going to be a face-off of two pregnant queens, effectively. Um, So, I mean, this is the thing. Cersei sits on the throne and she is beholden to it now. She cannot give up that power. And that's making her make questionable decisions. Yeah. Nin, what did you think of the, um, the white scene you know when they got when they got the white out and it... oh my god <sighs> um before i get to that um it's also worth noting as well the reason why she came across as quite authoritative is because they were asking for something of her a truce mm-hmm. so you know she was effectively holding the aces so therefore that's why i think the authority really came across because they were asking something of her to they arrange the meeting yeah. um with the white um I honestly thought, because the build-up to that, the Hound was acting like a bit of a dickhead, like, if you touch this box, you're fucking dead. And then that soldier looked really, like, suspicious. And I thought, when you open the box and the white wasn't moving, I thought, shit, it's been released or it's been killed or something's happened. That's the first thought that came into my he head. He told the guy but to fuck he... off? He goes, what's in the box? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he actually says at one point as well, if you touch the box, I'll fucking kill you or something. He said it to one of them. And the guy just kept looking at the box and I thought oh god something's happened something's gonna happen like they're gonna do something to this you know and then when he opens the box and there's no sound there's no screeching no nothing I thought shit they've killed it all this journey for nothing and then he fucking kicks it and it just I I jumped because it just comes like you doesn't it and it's on chains and it literally just stops right in front of Cersei and for the first time ever she genuinely, they all do, she genuinely looks terrified. You know, like she is not expecting The that. mountain didn't yeah. even come in front of her. Did you know it's the mountain stood where he was? He didn't even come in. <laughs> <laughs> he just stood there. I was like, wait up. Shouldn't you be jumping straight in front? He's like, fuck this. I ain't getting involved with a dead one. Forget that. But it's, yeah, you're right. It was, you could see her face when it was right there. Even though it was on the chain, she was visibly shook. Even Jamie was like, what the hell is this? Uh, Euron mm. shit his pants. Like, he really looked like he shit his pants. Mike, he really did, didn't he? It just looked he like, did. what the fuck is this? And like, I think it's like, <laughs> sorry, it's really, it's really easy to forget that everyone in the South has not only pretty much not seen a White Walker or White, but they don't even believe that they exist. So obviously yeah. we've seen him for seasons and seasons. I mean, I think the first White Walker we saw was season, yeah, it was episode one, the pilot, wasn't it? And um, yeah, so we've seen him and we know they exist. It's this kind of, it's really interesting watching these characters seven, like six, seven years in who have who are still really sceptical because even Daenerys was like really sceptical, which was kind of a bit of a, well, it kind of that was a bit of a weird one because well you've got dragons you can withstand fire but you don't believe there's a dead army. I got past that and um, but yeah the fact that Lannisters yeah never really believed it and they all seem to be 
in their own little world in the south in uh, King's Landing was quite interesting. I think when they so you, even when they see the dragons like landing when, when Daenerys's dragon lands and she gets off, they're all just like in awe of it because yeah. even half of them don't believe that. I mean, they've, they've never seen a dragon, so they, they probably wouldn't necessarily be even, you know, was believe telling, it's true. Jamie's reaction was telling again. He came face to face with it, but as soon as he heard it, yep. he stood up straight away again, as if like, "Holy shit, it's coming back!" And like, there was. Yeah. A, it's once you've gone face to face with something like that, you shit yourself. You really do. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I just thought, <laughs> "Oh my god!" You know, I, I I really enjoyed that, but a lot of people just will pan this. Panda, they? panda well, reveal, like, what the fuck is this? Like, because, you know what? The whole storyline, like we talked about last week, is flawed. Okay, going to fucking get a, a white and capture it. It's right. a bit of a mad idea, let's yeah, be honest. It is, yeah. but I, I love the reveal. You know why? Because I want Apple to do this when they release the iPhone 8. This is what I want. <laughs> what? <laughs> I want them to get a box, to get the hound in, kick it over, and out pops this shiny little tablet, <laughs> this little phone. It'll be brilliant. And actually, the whole, the whole way they set it up, <laughs> Jon Snow gives a bit of patter first, like Steve Jobs used to do. The hound comes out, you get the scare thing. Afterwards, the hound starts slashing it into bits, cuts off his arm. Kyburn comes over, picks up that, that detached arm with such love, and I, I swear he tries to pocket it, and he's, he's use it he's on so his interested, yeah, He wants he? it. Until John his... comes back and sets light to it. I think I actually quite enjoyed it, to be honest. And it had the effect on Cersei. It had that shock value on her. Mm-hmm. Because last that's... week, like we said yeah. on the pod, it was a stupid idea. But if it kind of makes a bit of sense in this episode, then so be it. There you go. You have to have the proof, it's like though, don't you? isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike, go bit, on. Bit more, bit more dangerous than Pokemon, but I mean, you know. Got to catch them all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've got to, I mean, from their perspective, they've got to have the proof, haven't they? Because they're so sceptical. They're, they're never going to take their word for it. Even Daenerys wouldn't take Jon's word for it until she'd seen it and then was affected by it. So it was even more unbelievable to, the, to these Southerners who say have no perspective on magic. Or I mean, they should have perspective on magic. Seems that the mountain has basically been brought back from the dead. He's yeah. essentially, you know, he's an, un, he's an undead, isn't he? He's a zombie thing yeah, totally is um so i do i just yeah the skepticism for it all seemed a bit it's a bit like well open your mind a little bit if you can believe in other things that you can do then wait up you're watching just... a show with dead people and dragons so anything exactly. can fucking happen man <laughs> what do you want exactly. that's what if i can jump in euron's reaction is brilliant because he's like you know what fuck this i'm off so uh, that's what point you're kind of like okay if it's affecting someone who's never seen this before and he's seen loads of shit then okay we don't know that it's contrived in order to further the Mm. plot later but his reaction instantaneously is like it's kind of like when you know going back to the apple thing when apple tell you the next iphone is going to be like a grand starting people are going to be like fuck that i'm going to android basically and euron is like fuck this i'm going home i'm just i'm not even going to bother with this so it works i thought the reveal had had a, a good effect to be honest if i can jump back to a point that mike was making about dragons earlier what do you guys think um about where cersei engineered this whole thing in the dragon pit why do you think she actually held it there is it like an intimidation tactic you think it's her i mean it's her it's a king's landing it's her terrain and it's to show her authority and so it's it's to intimidate it's essentially a bit of a fuck you to daenerys isn't it really i I have a theory on it nin what do you think 
I know nothing. <laughs> you have no idea. Jon Snow. What, you know what? I, she is northern. She is a northerner. I was going to say, basically, if you think of the, there was there was a bit of backstory to the Dragon Pit, and you know, uh, I think it was in between. So we'll get there now in a minute. Once, the, you know, Cersei pisses off and gets angry and everything. Daenerys and Jon have a chat, and she's like, you know, they they left our dragons in here to to, to die, pretty much. So that's mm-hmm. where the dragons died because they were, they were just shut off from everyone slowly. They just got smaller and smaller, she said. Or was it, was it Tyrion? One of them was talking, telling the story that they just got smaller and smaller and they were just fed like lamb and dogs and shit like that. There, nothing really else was there. They did, well, didn't John hold up? A, he holds up a little, um, yeah, a little yeah. um, jaw yeah. and it's like a yeah. tiny little thing. Yeah, yeah. It's because they, that's what she was saying. They, just, they were just yeah. left to rot. And it was, she was saying, wasn't she, they're beautiful creatures, they're beautiful things, they need to express themselves, not mm-hmm. be caged up like this. And that's why she had to do what she had to do. She had to cage him up. So some, she's been through something similar herself, you know, in, mm. in the previous season. So I thought she took him there. That's quite, that, like you said, psychological warfare. This mm-hmm. is going to hurt her a little bit if yeah. she brings a dragon in here. Da, 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 da. So, I, yeah, that, 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 that's where I thought, Jessel, it went good. Really good I, I think it was an intimidation tactic. Yeah. It's also saying that you might have your dragons now, but they've been conquered before. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, you're right. It, basically, it's also it also marked the end of the Targaryen dynasty effectively because once they the dragons lost their effect, they lost a lot of their power. It's kind of like nuclear weapons. That's what it's been equated to before. Imagine if you know America had no mu- nuclear weapons, then they wouldn't be as scary a threat as as a lot of people perceive them to be. Mm. Agreed. Essentially, um, Daenerys. I think at one point she says she's just like a person and sort of without her dragons, she's nothing really. Mm. Which I guess to an extent is true in terms of her firepower. I mean, she can be a ruler and have respect, but if you got, you know, two or, or obviously previously three dragons, you uh, you've got a lot more sort of weight behind you, quite literally. And that's the beauty um, about John that he has so much weight without any of mm. that. Once he gets that, he becomes unbelievably strong. But then there's so much about John, and she says it: your word means more than anyone else is here. Cersei says it to him, Ned Stark's son. Not mm-hmm. only that, he's he's brought people together. He's brought wildlings and mm-hmm. men together, northerners together. Impossible. You know, impossible tasks he's done. He's come mm-hmm. back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, obviously she doesn't know he's come back oh, from yeah, the yeah, dead. No, but no, yeah, no. I, th- I think obviously she's... Um, I also think as well, it was almost like a bit of a bitch slap as well because he's Ned Stark's son. I think she's trying to ruffle some feathers there as well. And he's probably thinking, fuck, I'm not bending another knee to another queen again. And uh, and obviously there's some anim- there's a lot of animosity there because, you know, they are the reason why he's lost his dad and, you know, his brother and, you know. Sure. There's Which a lot the whole, of whole tension stuff, yeah. there. It's basically, yeah. you know, the Lannisters are why the Starks have all, you know, gone their own ways and half of them are dead and the whole Stark dynasty pretty good much he is. is He's in- willing to put it behind him for the Great War. That was the whole point. He is, you know, he's there. He could have pulled out his bloody Valerian, you know, long claw and just started chopping people up if he wanted to. If he was, that- he is. Yeah, he's there to to he have is- a truce. He's not there to bend the knee. He'd never no. bend the knee to Cersei. I mean, yeah, the shit that her family have done to his family, he he would never do it. But um, going back to what you were saying about everything that John has achieved, it's interesting to know that he's achieved it as a bastard. 
with no mm-hmm. title, with, you know, yeah. he's got no sort of pure parental heritage as, as far as the characters are aware anyway. And he's achieved more than like most of you know of the other characters in the whole goddamn thing, which is says a lot for his his character basically. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's a beautiful story. In fact, when you look back um, of John, but Nin, what did you think then? Was he should he have lied to Cersei, or do you think that's him? I would have lied. I ain't gonna, you know, I'm not, you know, when he actually did the whole noble thing and I've loved him forever for that, but I just thought, not now, son. You know, this, considering you've been banging on about these whites all season and you've been depressing the shit out of us, a little lie is not gonna hurt anyone, you know? Just be a bit smart and a bit intelligent, but I guess his integrity and stuff, and it does work out in the end. But personally, I would have lied. All day long, I actually got a bit annoyed at him, and I thought Tyrion was absolutely right to blast him. I think I thought Daenerys was spot on to blast him. I don't know how you Davos guys feel. Well. I thought he was a bit stupid. Davos yeah, as well. Was... I thought he was a bit stupid. Jess, your thoughts? I mate. would have lied. Uh, yeah, I mean, initially I thought that, and then the way that he framed it, he said, "Well, lies become bigger lies, which become bigger lies, and then everyone just basically is lying to each other." And and that's what he's trying to break. You know, Daenerys is trying to break the wheel john is just trying to get people to be a bit more honest and stuff so in that respect i think he was within his rights what i don't understand is that he bent the knee and didn't tell anyone uh, except what he sent like a whatsapp raven to sandra and that's it but he didn't tell <laughs> yeah, he didn't true. tell anyone else true. and that's they were a bit all in weird shock. everybody yeah. was in shock. like children was like oh it's very nice that you bent the knee and then davos was like hey when the fuck did this happen like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Great impression. Um, we're also, if anyone's counting, we're up to five mentions of bend the knee, which means we're, we need to do a shot. So yeah, uh, yeah. We, we forgot to mention the one biggest best cock uh, moment between Podrick, um, um, <laughs> Bron, and um, Tyrion, where they were all having a nice meeting and all this was nice to see you. Glad you're alive. And then Bron goes, "You can suck his magic cock later." <laughs> 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 I was in hysterics. I was just like, "You killed me there, uh, Bron." Such a good character, Bron. Honestly, just brings brings just <clears throat> chills everything out when there's some tension or whatever. He just absolutely chills it. But um, Jess, you were going to talk about the Brienne bit. You know, people are now yeah. pissed off. And so, she is obviously shocked as well that he's bent the knee. But she's obviously seen the white as well for the first time. So she's shook up and then off she storms off. And Jamie follows her like a lap dog as usual. Yeah, so it's interesting last week that we we couldn't quite understand why Sansa had sent Brienne to this meeting, considering it was so important. But actually, Brienne being here this time does make a lot of sense because she has a history with Jamie. She has a history with the Hound as well in a different way. If you look at Jamie's narrative arc throughout this show, he was always a bit of a bastard, basically, until he met Brienne. And that was the first time he started changing and some some genuine honor and actual thought into his actions started to creep in. And once again, she challenges him and she says, fuck loyalty, which is very out of character for her. I mean, she hardly ever swears and stuff. Mm. And and. And Jamie, well, as we see later on in the episode, you know, he really challenges Cersei. They go back and forth. And you can't help but think they have a good effect on one another. Perhaps they do. So it was nice seeing Jamie and Brienne, albeit in a short exchange. It was. Mike, I thought she um, also jumped straight onto the John bandwagon of fuck everything else. This is it. 
this is the war that we're, you know, because that's, that's why the fuck loyalty, that's shocking from her, because that's all she does. All of her last four or five seasons have been, you know, protect the girls, and that's exactly that's Yeah, that's the interesting kind of flip she's done. It's like, yeah, fuck loyalty now. It's like, it's, it's kind of like getting a message across to these power-hungry idiots, basically, that don't, you know, we can't have division among people when we're all basically going to die if we don't come together. But as you were saying, yeah, Brienne's kind of, her like her little uh, lines have basically been, you know, trying to protect Sansa and um, doing, doing what she swore to Catelyn Stark to protect Sansa, protect Arya. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting when she, when she meets Jamie again for that first time. Cause I think when they last met, she was, I think she was going away on a boat and she sort of just like, waved to him and he sort of looked over he might have been on he let her escape yeah and he sort of just looked back at him and had that sort of moment because they've had this very like unspoken sort of um emotional relationship they saved each other Um, didn't they plenty of he saved her from being raped and everything yeah yeah because i think yeah as as we touched on before like jamie's character really really started to develop once he met brienne and especially once you learn about why he is the Kingslayer, how he was actually, that he got the title because he was trying to save everyone, it kind of makes you almost, I, personally, I could sort of put to aside his, you know, being a bastard for the first couple of seasons because that was his lifestyle, being a Lannister, you're a bastard. But he's actually a good person deep down, even even before Game of Thrones started, he was always, you know, he'd been the Kingslayer for however many years. And you had, you had the reputation. It's only when you realise why he was called that and what his actual true motivation for killing the king was um, is when, when you really start to understand who, who he is. And I just think it's going to be really interesting um, moving away from him and Brienne in sort of him and Cersei, how they will move forward, especially with, oh well, an alleged pregnancy oh, and yeah. Yeah, how... We're going to yeah. get to that. We're going to come to that scene. And how crazy she gets, basically, yeah. Before that scene happens, Nin, Tyrion um, says, I'm going to go and see my sister. John, you sit down. She'll kick the shit out of you. You'll be dead, um, being a Stark. But I'm going to go. So talk to me about this scene, because it was fucking brilliant. And I just, I was, yeah. I was shitting myself for Tyrion. I mm-hmm. thought he was going to die. I thought, don't do this, please. So... So did I, you know, when he went off on his little march and he's gone to gone to see her, and uh, Jamie actually says farewell to him because he even <laughs> he thinks he's gonna die. So then I emotionally become, I detach myself from Tyrion because I have to do this now because I can't deal with any more heartache when it comes to my favorite characters in Game of Thrones. And um, he's walking in, and and you know you see, I mean. The, the mountain is quite an intimidating character anyway, and he looks just so much more bigger on Tyrion. And you know, and then he walks in into into her into her study, whatever, wherever she sat chamber, and the mountain shuts the door, and you think, oh God, you're never going to leave that room. And uh, he he starts uh, speaking to her, and and they, they start having a conversation, and uh, you know, she's really angry and. Um, you can see a lot of like venom towards him from her. You know, there's a lot of poison. She's got a lot of animosity towards him. She believe, you know, she blames him for a lot. 
And, you know, she obviously puts the accusation down, the reason why their dad's dead. He murdered him and, you know, he explains his reason for it. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, uh, he, he starts mentioning her two children because we all know he absolutely could not stand Joffrey and Joffrey couldn't stand him, but he absolutely loved her other two. And that was evident. And she, you know, didn't have a score on him on that one. She kind of stayed quiet. But I love the fact that he said, just kill me, order it, do it, you know, and she couldn't do it. You know, and I thought she's going to make the call and she couldn't do it. And I, I my favourite part of that was when he actually just walks up and pours himself a glass of red. <laughs> yeah, once he knows she's once he's off the hook. Him, yeah, he yeah. just says, right, I need a drink because I'm. Like, he was shitting himself again. You know, <laughs> he was, mm. he, who wouldn't? You've got the mountain standing behind you, uh, Jessel. I did like the line she said to him, though. I Go love on. the line when she goes to him, you've always favoured um, a foreign whore who... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who steps over the mark or something she said. I can't remember what she said. It was it was a good line. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Jess, this was um, this was a really, really well-acted scene as well from both of them because she was having none of it to start with and how this humanised her. She didn't kill the one that she was always blaming for everything in her life. I killed your mom. I killed your dad. I killed your kids. Kill me. Yeah, she really uses him as a, a punching bag, doesn't she, in order to just blame everything. She doesn't take any responsibility for anything herself. And, I mean, if you take this episode, it's kind of a microcosm of the whole season. Nothing has really happened this whole season, if you think about it. Like, everyone where they started off has pretty much ended in the same place. And there's only been a couple of major deaths. And one of the things I love about Game of Thrones more than anything is these kind of conversations, these extended, you know, this, these ones soaked with tension and stuff. Okay, the CGI dragons are great fun and everything, but we all love the show because of all these kind of intricacies of background relationships. And Cersei and Tyrion's relationship, Jesus, I mean, it's messed up to, to, to the nth degree, isn't it? So here, I think she does so many things which you watch in retrospect when you watch it for the second time she's just putting on such a great act you know even even when she's talking about the pregnancy and her kind of coming close to tears Tyrion probably believes it in his heart of hearts but you know she she's got a bigger plan here she really is moving everyone around as if they are just pieces on a chessboard i totally agree with that Mm. because while while it may look like Tyrion has broken through her icy exterior shall we say and sort of got to a bit more of a humane side which is true also her not killing Tyrion where he stands now is a political move as well can you imagine if if she killed Tyrion Daenerys's hand you know she's also remembering the Unsullied there the um, the Dothraki are outside and uh, there's a couple of dragons as well so I don't think it would have she's not stupid she knows you can't just kill him there and then, even though she probably still wants to, because as we learn, you can't trust anything she says. And despite her not doing it when he says, kill me now, I still think she would if she could get away with it. But I think she's too clever to make that mistake. Damn, man, you are ruining the whole of my like little agenda there. Because I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's getting a bit more humanized because she didn't kill Jamie either. But now you're like, well, she loves him, so she ain't going to kill him. <laughs> That's going to be answer. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, it is, it is a bit of both. It's like it's the political and it's her human side. But I think she's got so lost I, I mean, in my, power and greed. It's hard to know what thought, really is. I just thought you know, in this episode, she was 
she was at odds with both of her brothers and mm-hmm. she is the mad queen nin she could do she's so stupid she could do anything off you know like mentally she'll go off on one and i think on both she let both of them go just showing a little bit mm. that she maybe does value family a little bit what she's got left just a little bit like these guys and i totally get their points but just saying is there a little bit of it I honestly thought she would have killed Tyrion. I, I, I didn't believe for a second she'd kill Jamie, but Tyrion, I definitely thought she would because there was just so much malice towards him. Like, you know, the way apparently she used to bully him as a kid as well. You know, like, he, he suffered from middle child syndrome his whole entire life. She, he's been treated like shit. And then, obviously, her dad, her, her, I think her role model, you know, the person that she looked to, up to more than anything, dies because of, you know, him. And I actually thought she might do something stupid and I'm killed because, you know what, sometimes grief and all that good stuff does crazy things to you. I don't know if she considers him as family. Maybe there's a soft touch because he was good with her other two children. I don't know. I, I don't understand why she let Tyrion go. I think it could be. I think the lads might be right. It could be because... If I kill him, I'm up Shit's Creek. He's yeah, I think that's. Right I think it's as simple as that, to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah. it's also that she, he hasn't. He is actually trying not to kill her. You know, he is actually trying to save his brother as well. You know, he's there is something in Tyrion that he doesn't want the Lannister, Lannisters to die. He wants it. I think he wants, he yeah. wants Daenerys to be queen, but he's like, I don't want you to die. I don't. I want you to find a way to make this happen and not be stupid, because that's what he says about Daenerys as well. I stop her from doing stupid things. If I can. <laughs> and he knows that his sister is basically sort of the unfiltered queen. She exactly. will, she hasn't got, she, she doesn't have too. that. She but she it. thinks she's, yeah, she thinks she's so clever. Like, I think if you recall, there's, when Tyrion's in that room speaking to Cersei, she just, she, she, she starts rubbing her stomach. And I think mm-hmm. she's just manipulating him. She knows he will see her do that and, and then put two and two together and know that she is pregnant. She isn't doing that because she's feeling uh, maternal or feeling in touch with her feelings. I think she's doing that to send him a message but, to play on Because it's essentially going to be it's going to a new relative for I him. totally get you. But what happens then from that scene, you're pregnant, to him walking back and her walking behind him to go into the dragon pit? Because they don't explain that. It's a non-explained, like, what conversation did they have then after that? Or was it the realisation that he said, you're going to have no one left if you continue the way you're going? And she goes, I'll have, uh, you know, then she, she, you know, said about her family. And then she's like, oh, shit, yeah. What am I going to do with this kid if everyone's going to die with the dead? But, I mean, that's the thing I wanted to know, Mike. What, what is the take on that bit then? What, what happens there? People are thinking That's an interesting question. People are thinking, okay, maybe Jessel. People are thinking he's turning. I don't know. I don't think so. But I was pr- I was praying you wouldn't come to me. That was when like the teachers asked me a question. <laughs> okay, <laughs> did, the- did we go to you? <laughs> Do you know why? I don't know why I don't know the answer because it makes no sense at all. What the hell happened? We don't see. There's a exactly. lot in this episode. They were that we arguing don't see. all of a sudden that she's following him out. I just think we get that sense that. We don't know what Tyrion says, but we know him as a character. He's smart enough that we can we can deduce that he has somehow said the right thing and convinced her. But obviously, later on, we realise that he actually hasn't. He's failed. But in the moment, we think he has. Yeah, as I say, maybe maybe they have talked about that pregnancy because they are still blood. They are still family. Let's say in the last episode, I think it was, and the one before when. 
Terry and Basie looks very downtrodden and quite emotionally hurt when he sees all the Lannister army, army burning. He does still have an emotional connection to the Lannisters, despite how badly they've treated him and how you know they tried to kill him and imprison him, and whatnot. He still has that sense of family. I think that his his mm. blood is yeah, it's it's still there. Your thoughts, Nick? I think I've got a theory. It's just come. It's just come to me now whilst um, <laughs> you guys are speaking. Light bulb moment. <laughs> It, it really was. Basically, um, it was something what Mike said when she was rubbing her stomach. I think she kind of cued that nicely. Um, first of all, to play a little mind game with him. But yeah. he might think, oh, God, she might have just tapped into a bit of a maternal instinct and then use that little excuse right there that I'm going to become a mother and I want my children. I don't want my children to be white and my child to be a white. I, I want to, you know, I don't want them to be a zombie. So, you know what? Let's go back out again and let's renegotiate. Re- when really all along she had no I she had no uh, desire to um uphold what she was saying. I think she just played the whole scene. It plays on Tyrion's emotions, I think, with that, because he was so fond of her other two children who obviously weren't Joffrey and you know he had a real love for them. Her then saying there's another one coming into the world, this obviously he's gonna be their uncle, they're related by blood, etc. And that makes him a bit weaker, doesn't it? He's going to have his... Jamie's kid. More than Cersei's kid, Jamie's kid. You know, Tyrion loves Jamie. We know that. We absolutely know that. He loves his brother more Mm -hmm. than he loves his sister. You know, he wants to kill her at times, but he loves his brother. Another kid of the brother dying, I don't think he would want that. I really do not think he would want that. That is the way it's coming across. Like you said, Mike, it's, Mm. you know, that, that paternal... Whatever it is, if you're an uncle, instinct is just like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. I'm in a tough place now. But can you believe a little, little scene like that turns into such a nice conversation? (laughs) The little things in Game of Thrones. But anyway, they go back. She, Jessel, comes out with it. You know, everything's, you know, we're all, we're on a truce, whatever. But then the big scene is with Jamie and Cersei. She's not having any of it, really. And it's and it's yeah. revealed Euron's gone to get gone to Essos to get the company, you know. So this is really big because you fear for his death, but he's left her. He's actually left her, mate. It's amazing, and I think this is one of the most pivotal scenes in Game of Thrones history. It, it might have been kind of subdued, but people shouldn't underestimate its importance. Jamie has now left Cersei by the looks of it. He's gone. He has stuck, uh, stuck by her through thick and thin. He's had secret children with her. He's just done everything she's ordered, almost without question, until very recently. And now he's been pushed to the point of no return, and he's leaving her. He even calls her bluff and says, well, go on then, get the mountain to kill me. And again, she can't do it. It's very interesting how the, you know, the family is the centric um, theme of this episode. And Cersei has her, her bluff called by both Tyrion and Jaime, her brothers. And in the end... Tyrion is probably going to be closer to Cersei than Jaime in the end. Maybe, I don't know what you guys think, is this being set up now for Jaime to be the Queen Slayer? Yeah, lots of people are, are rumouring mm-hmm. it, you know, that she's going to keep keep being the bitch and turning on people and not living up to her word, which once you've given your word in these things, especially with in front of that many people, you're asking for trouble to turn your back on that. You're asking for it. You know, she'll probably just turn around and say, right, fuck this dragon. Just, you know, just knock out that, that, that Essos team, 20,000 people. And the dragons could do it on their own. You know, they could do it on their own. There's been 
there's been wars in history of Game of Thrones where fucking dragons have knocked out thousands and thousands of people. Why the hell would you want to go back on your word? Just so stupid. But but she, if I can jump in, she does notice that um, Daenerys only has two dragons. She's sly. Yep. She's so fucking She's sly. clever, man. I thought it was a tactical error yeah. of, of Daenerys to, to bring just those two. And it, it makes it pretty Drogon. obvious one is yeah. something's happened to the other one. Yeah. Mm. She should have just brought Drogon. But... It, ma- it makes her think that, yeah, oh, one dragon can be defeated. I can defeat the other two. Yeah. She's she's so overconfident, and it's such a, a suicidal move to basically betray the people you've just met with to fight the biggest war of your life. And uh, you know, regardless of how big this army that is coming back to help defend King's Landing, you're either going to have to def- defeat the White Walkers with a dragon, or you're going to have to defeat Daenerys and Jon with two dragons. And even Jamie knows it's a fight they can't win. She's just hell bent on on retaining power. Um, but yeah, Mike's it's right. It's also well. it's also a massive display of overconfidence because it, later on in the episode we're going to get to it soon. I'm sure when we talk about Littlefinger, but he says that I assume the worst. I play this little game and I assume the worst. Now that what that's what Cersei's father has always done. That's what Cersei always done. That's how she engineers these these genial chess moves all over the place. But here she is getting too confident and she's overplaying her hand. She thinks that basically everyone else is going to go off, fight this war against the White Walkers, decimate each other, and then she'll be able to just come in and it's land grab up, everything. Yeah. But, but that's a, a massive display of overconfidence. And Jamie sees it. He challenges. He pushes back. And she's just not, not having it. She's not listening to anyone anymore. No one whatsoever. No, not at all. And you know what? Then talking about siblings' um, you know, interaction... Two guys that were kind of like siblings growing up at, at Winterfell, Theon and John. The scene between them then, where you know Theon's kind of kind of asking for forgiveness from John. What were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, I thought it was shoehorned in a little bit. I have to say, <laughs> it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, everything about this scene, you know, suddenly Theon drinks in some gigantic confidence juice thanks to a little pep talk from Jon Snow and then goes off and manages to kill someone and I don't know it's I don't know what you guys thought I thought it was very contrived it Nin? gets the plot moving point forward but nothing else your thoughts Nin? I mean again it, it kind of came out of nowhere and I think uh, the, the whole you know betrayal of the Starks has really plagued him throughout I think he's kind of been cursed ever since I mean not that he was blessed before that he was an absolute fucking wrong gun but things just went from bad to worse for him and uh, and I think he just kind of wanted you know just that he's not wrong and he was actually all right when he was there with the, no, with the I don't know. Is it he shag everything and anything that would move he was vile <laughs> Yeah, he was a cock. Ironborn. Yeah. He was disgusting. He was. Oh, Don't be racist. Anyway, that's what they are. That's what he, the Ironborn do. Uh, fair point. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think he just kind of wanted that whole, you know, that the whole forgiveness thing. I thought John was a bit too much of a, a goody two shoes to just kind of say, "Well, I forgive you for my part." I was like thinking, how can he forgive this dude? He literally shat all over your family he was treated as one of your own your dad treated him like a son but he kind of gave him that whole you don't have to choose you're a Greyjoy and you're a Stark and then I thought maybe now he can die in peace that woke him up I thought that woke him up yeah because you're, I, you're, I actually you, thought he was going to die after when that. he said you're a Greyjoy and then he went 
and you're a Stark. That I don't know if you know the backstory of why Theon is with them. By the way, um, the, the, Ned was turning in his grave when he said that. I'm sure. Anyway, you, I, I'm just trying to trying to figure out whether you know the story why um, Theon is with the Starks. At the, you know, early on because the the, the Greyjoys kept on uh, rebelling against the Targaryens. Always, they kept doing it. And um, in the end, I think even against um, even against Robert Baratheon as well. In the end, and I think Ned Stark. In the end, they won won a war, a mini battle or a war. I think it was the Pike War. I'm not sure, but they took his son as as insurance. Basically, this is your this is your heir, and if you if you stand up against us again, we'll kill him. Like I yeah, think, he was like their prisoner, wasn't he? Basically, but no, that's what Robert wanted. Robert was like, kill him if he does anything. But Ned didn't treat him that way at all. Ned treated him like a son. And, 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 you know, gave him the same as, you know, even John, everybody the same, they treated him the same. So that's why he always says to him, he, he, he was more of a dad to you than your own dad was. Yeah, you, you're always he conflicted. Did. You're always conflicted. You're twat. He did, he did resent them a lot. That's why he ended up rebelling and taking Winterfell and Trotwell and allegedly, you know, burning the two Stark boys because he, he wanted to be, Accepted as a Greyjoy. I don't think he ever felt quite accepted as a Stark because he wasn't a Stark and he always wanted to go home. Um, but I think the interesting thing with Theon, I mean, I, I keep thinking the reason he ended up, he, he, from when he's helped, helped Sansa escape, I thought that was a turning point. And he's had a few bumps in the road obviously since then. Obviously, he's a very traumatized chap. And when he jumped off the boat instead of uh, trying to save his sister, I kind of think that was um, that was his sort of PTSD moment. But also, it was kind of it was kind of a clever tactical moment. He was never going to beat his uncle. All he would have done was die. The fact that he's now been able to now influence uh, Yara's rescue, I think I've always thought he he will have a big impact if he can rescue Yara and and regain control of of, of the fleet. Or what, what, yeah, whatever's left of it, I think mm-hmm. that will sort of that will be his arc from now because I don't think he doesn't have any massive purpose in terms of affecting the main characters anymore. But in terms of coming together and sort of building that fleet and the army to help with Daenerys, with Jon, and well, whether we see the Lannisters get involved or not, um, I think that's the other where his story's going. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of him jumping off that ship, I mean, aside from giving us the greatest gift in history, then, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're right. It was a tactical maneuver. I mean, you're better off being a, a an alive coward than a dead hero in that kind of situation. He's alive now. He mm. can try and actually rescue his sister. He was no way going to beat his uncle at that point. God, no. And and now I think you know he's had this existential existent, can't even say it, existential crisis for quite some time now, you know, especially since Ramsay really got in his head and just completely devastated him. And and as Gag said, this is kind of his rebirth now. And and it was manifested in the talk with John and then through his physical actions once he gets on the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think let's not focus too much on the beaches. Uh, Nin, you like this because it was kind of like his I'm a man again moment, even though he's got no cock. When he got need in the balls. Yeah, and he just kind of... I, I have a question about this. I, yeah. Sorry, after Nina goes, let me have a, I have a question about this. I actually thought he was going to... 
I actually thought he was going to die uh, when he was getting battered. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, same shit. You know, you're an absolute fucking wimp. And then he gets up and like um, Mike and um, Jessel and yourself has alluded to there, it just completely takes command of the fleet. And I thought, yes, finally, you've shown some, like you say, balls. And, yeah, that was probably um, the best that you'll ever see of the young Greyjoy. I mean, it was... It was a kind of a meh. He's like a bit of a meh character. I'm, I'm a bit devastated that he's lasted this long. I'm not going to lie. Don't worry. Don't worry. Lots of people dying in season eight. Loads. By the truckloads, every episode someone will die. So maybe in his freeing of Yara, he's um, killed and she, she goes and helps them out. But who? I hope she kills him. Oh, my God. Shut up. He goes to save <laughs> it and she kills him. Why? <laughs> right. Uh, Jessel, your question quickly. Yeah, it's about penises and testicles. So when uh, Ramsay Bolton cut off Theon's oh, penis and sent it in a box, mm-hmm. then what happened to his balls? Because then this in this fight on the beach, the guy's kneeing yes. him in the balls, kneeing him in the balls, and I'm like, well, that surely it's it's when you get. I mean, as a guy, you'd know this. If you get kneed in the balls, it hurts. It's not so much the penis part that hurts. So yeah, what's so with that? Everything's gone. Well, pretty much everything. I assumed, it, I assumed it was just the cock that had gone, but maybe he has the balls left and they're just, they're so damaged, they're, they're numb. Yeah. You just don't know. Maybe he, cut them off and fe- maybe he cut them off and he fed them to the dogs. Potentially. That is a random like manoeuvre, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Deleted, deleted scene. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Nin, Nin knows. Nina knows nothing. Sorry. Uh, let's move on. Um, I, I just wanted to say, do one little... One little thing before we go on this scene between uh, John and Theon. When John says, you're a Greyjoy and you're a Stark, accepting him. It's going to be very interesting when he finds out he's a Stark and a Targaryen and how he reacts to it himself. I just thought there was something. They, they love to put these little things in. They love it. They love it because obviously that's what he's got in his ancestry. He's going to be massive so i wonder how he reacts it's just going to be absolutely nuts but let's move on we've done let's go straight to winterfell then guys um they set this up early on um with little finger nina and sansa he was basically trying and nina no no, no i was just saying nina because i'm gonna come oh. to her first <laughs> they were basically gonna they're gonna plot he's basically plotting Sansa against her, isn't he? She knows exactly what he's mm-hmm. doing because we know that. But what did you think of the whole uh, scene? Again, there was some negative criticism about how she went for Littlefinger in this. See, when that initial scene was being played, when um, I think one of the guys um, said, you know, um, you've got to expect the worst possible scenario. When he was like, I thought he really got into her head. I'm not going to lie. I thought she acted that brilliantly. I thought, oh, shit, she's carrying on being a little shit. She's pretty much bought everything what he said. And you can see the little smug grin on his face, like, yep, I've conspired again. I've succeeded again. I've caused mischief again. And I thought, oh, dear, um, Arya Stark, you're absolutely done for. And obviously, as as it plays out, um, she's actually just been using him. And, you know, she's learned a lot from him. And uh, she obviously exposes him for what he is. And uh, I don't understand why people um, get salty about these things because you need to remember the character of Sansa. She's been, she's been around some very, very manipulative, evil, devious people. 
she's probably picked up a few things along the way. If Arya's picked up sword fighting and to be become a badass assassin, then surely Sansa should have picked up to be a bit a bit smarter and a bit, you know, a bit snide. And to go back to what Jessel said last week, um, his theory was absolutely spot on, that both sisters kind of plotting to get him where they needed him to be. Uh, I liked it. I'm glad it came through. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought, um, Jessel, I thought the, you didn't want him to die, did you? But uh, I, I think uh, his death, the way she just slits his throat, really good. This is it? the most tragic death. <laughs> get lost <laughs> mate was he was weeping. begging he was begging on his knees that is what the scene everybody he did is... not deserve to go out like that i'm sorry i'm sorry this guy has been a staple of this series i'm sorry yeah. he's a cop for seven years i love this guy and and even in this episode you know uh, all he's doing in that scene in the initial one with sansa is just saying look Think of worst case scenarios. Now, we all do that. You know, if you're in a situation, if you're in the shit, then you have to try and you have to be smart and think these things through. I think Nina's right. I think Sansa's soaked up various characters from these absolute psychos along the year. And and she's channeled it into something useful. But, yeah, as we predicted last week, this was all an elaborate rope-a-dope from the Stark kids. And it lured him in. It worked brilliantly. I have to admit, even though we predicted this, my jaws just still hit the floor. It was such an amazing plot twist. Um, And I think what this was testament to was, again, that central theme of family. It was the Stark kids working together, finally. Now, what I don't understand is why this couldn't have all been done three episodes ago. Bran finally actually decides to tell everyone what's going on. It's a little bit contrived that it lasted this long. Maybe they just wanted it for the finale, but it's fine. I think I think it was fun. Uh, <laughs> death is always fun. Arya did it, like Gag said. There was that poetic justice of using the knife that started this whole mm-hmm. shit, mm-hmm. and she used it to sever Littlefinger. And my, I still, my man went like I that. Go for, go for it, yeah. Go for it, Nin. I was just going to say it as well. I think it. Um, what I loved was because obviously Jessel mentioned this in in the previous um, episode of this uh, podcast that um, he's a very smart man and he's not going to get outfoxed. And it was, I think he, you know, when he said, "I I loved your mother and I loved you," uh, I I believe that's the reason of his downfall. Mm. He didn't see it coming. I think he's underrated women the whole time. To be honest, um, you know, yeah. he, because he, he's had such power and stuff. And he's very conniving. He's worked his way up that chaos ladder and he's very clever, Mm. but he has underestimated women. And that was ultimately his downfall. Also, the biggest thing about this is Bran, because WikiLeaks strikes again, once again. This is like the hacker (laughs) going through all your emails and and then making it public and getting it into the right sources. This is what's happened, because you could legitimately say, look, Bran, how do you know that I said this? But. The reality is, but he's now the three-eyed raven. He knows everything. People can't really question it anymore. It's a bit wishy-washy, but, you know, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate on Littlefinger's behalf. If I was his legal counsel, I'd step in and say, objection, Your Honor, how do you actually know this, prove this? Okay, you could be having a vision. You could be tripping off acid for all we know. So, you know, it's it's a little bit... I don't know. I just, I, I just feel bad for him. I, I just like it. I think he's a brilliant actor. I think he was a great character. You need these Machiavellian um, villains of, of, of pieces like this. They're the ones who are the cogs of the wheel of a show like this. So I, I, I just think that it's run its course. Next season is all yeah, about war, and he yeah. doesn't fight. He sits in the background, and all of the words are coming to haunt him that he told her. You know, in previous episodes where he said, you know, think about you know, where you are, what you're doing, you know, and the enemy. And that's exactly what she did. She's followed his advice to a T and 
kicked his ass. Mike. She turns it back on him brilliantly as well, yeah. I have to say. She uses his own words against him. Mike, your thoughts Not- on, on Littlefinger's death, mate? Uh, no, I agree with what's been said. What I think is interesting is that I also do like Littlefinger. I think he's a great character, and he's arguably the most conniving out of, of the lot. And the fact that the two Stark sisters outsmarted him, I think, says a lot for how far they've come. Because initially, when Sansa and Arya were sort of bickering and distrusting each other, I wasn't quite buying it, and I did immediately think, well, this is like an elaborate ruse. I mean, even though it turned out to be that way, the way it was revealed was really, really good. I was still quite shocked when she turned to Littlefinger and was like, you know, what I'm accusing you. And he was, and just his reaction to it, because he, you know, he'd been outfoxed and he couldn't believe it. And I think he's never been in that position before, but as it has been touched upon, his role is sort of uh, surplus to requirement because it's about the big war now. There's a much bigger picture, whereas at one point, if you recall, like um, quite a few seasons ago, him and Varys were in the throne room and they were like, they were sort of talking about ruling and sort of making their way to the throne. So they both have or had ideas of ruling the, you know, ruling the Seven Kingdoms. And that was always his his aim to sort of get there. But as, as, as we said, the whole sort of, dynamic of where, where the, the narrative's going is a shift is so he's not really need anymore but it was a shame to see him sort of get out fox but also credit to the stark sisters and bran obviously the, the three of them coming together and um yeah sort of taking back winterfell and sort of being in charge again and bringing people to justice because say it was his little finger that betrayed ned stark and held that knife that dagger to his throat as as bran reminded him that, that got was, yeah. essentially got him killed. Yeah, and, and then, that's when he yeah. fell to his knees, didn't he? As soon as Bran said that, he was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> it was glorious seeing him beg for his life. It was glorious. It was one of the glorious scenes. I'm pretty sure he was crying as well. Which he was. was he had funny. tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm heartbroken, people. You guys are heartless. Yeah. <laughs> You're the heartless crew. Um, I just wanted to say, Mike, let's move on because the power of Bran comes to the fore once again in possibly the best scene for me in the episode because I just felt even though we knew this was the truth to have someone say it and uh, deliver it you know in the show and have Sam and him you know talking to each other that I just thought it moved me a little bit I did think you know what this is strong this is a powerful part for the whole of this Seven seasons. This is where we've been going to. This is where exactly. we've it's been to. coming for so long, hasn't it? With I mean, even with the early theories of it, you know, it turned out to be true over who John's parentage was, and the fact that then we, we we learn. I think it was the last episode might have been, or the one before, where um, we find out that his parents, you know, are actually married, and John is an actual legitimate son. He's a Targaryen. He's not a bastard. So therefore, the legitimate heir to the throne um it was nice to have it actually said even though it wasn't an actual reveal what was interesting i thought when samuel uh, was in the citadel and he was sort of he was like told wasn't he that there was an, an annulment and it felt like he wasn't realistic at the time and a lot of people were sort of critical of him audience wise saying oh why sam was basically just mansplained 
Well, because at, that, at that point it meant nothing. It meant he didn't know Lyanna Stark was or who was who Lyanna was, who Rhaegar was. As soon as Bran mentioned who they were, that they were his mom and dad, he was like, "Holy shit!" Do you get what I mean? Oh, that, mm. It meant it meant I, nothing to him. It meant two names. But the, but the thing was, in that episode, in that episode that Mike's speaking about, soon as she said he had his marriage annulled to such a body for, and when she was about to say who, he tells her to shut up. Yeah, he basically cuts her off completely. Yeah, and, and, way and lot, before yeah. she even gets the name, so Mike's up to his bottom. That made no sense to me. No, no, of course it is because he's married to. Uh, uh, if Rhaegar is married to no, uh, Elia, it's. We know this, but you know that girl. What's the what's that girl? Tully, name? is it Tully? No, uh, no, no, no. Oh, what's her name? Gilly, Gilly, Gilly. Gilly. Yeah, that's it. Gilly. yeah. Gilly is about to reveal who he marries. That that's immaterial. Before she says the name, immaterial. Before she says the name, he shuts her up. It's immaterial who he's married, though, isn't it? Because she basically, as long as he's annulled and married someone, that's all Sam needs to know. That he's oh mad. yeah, but I think is I think yeah. What meaning you know, the point is that yes, Samwell didn't really pay attention when yes. he was told that information. And in this scene with Bran, he he converses back with him like he knows. So he's, he obviously has processed that information. It's just Sam we as an audience no, weren't told. Sam about is it. smart. Word, Sam is no, smart. the words that he says in this is that he transcribed this. So basically, I know what you guys are saying. You're absolutely right. That right, okay. she is reading it out loud, and he yes. cuts her off. Yeah, and right. then claims credit for all of it. That's how it initially seems. But when you watch it again, he says uh, he says that I transcribed this in the Citadel. So clearly, he must have come back and done that at some point or whatever. Right? Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. He he can't be. He's got because he's so clever he's as well. Got to cast iron on this. He's got to be sure. He's got to be hundred percent mm-hmm. sure. But Nin, the the bit that I found beautiful about this scene was the way they showed the marriage. Yeah. And I know you've got some thoughts on Rhaegar Targaryen. You can go in there in a minute, you funny git. <laughs> but I, I just thought that the way they were showing them in love getting married and then they were showing John and Daenerys fucking, um, it just felt like they were, they, were, they were mirroring the two. So they were saying, you know, Lyanna is John and Daenerys <laughs> is Rhaegar. Do you get what I mean? And it's a, that, yeah. that union that was supposed to be something pure there is about to be pure here now. And I just thought it was a beautiful mirroring. I don't know what your thoughts were on that. I mean, I found it a bit bizarre when Sam goes, can you have a flashback to it? And then instantly Bran's in a flashback. I was like, you're rushing this. That's how it felt to me. I don't know how you guys felt. But to me, I just thought, so, you know, the fact that he had to tell Bran, can you have a flashback to it? And then literally Bran's there in the moment watching the ceremony take place. What, what did you want him to do? Did you want what? Game of Thrones to show no. for an hour him sifting but, through his no. memories? No, 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 no. But couldn't Bran use his initiative to go there before Sam had to tell him? He had no idea that they had annulled uh, a wedding or anything. That he had no idea. I, he... I don't. I, I don't know. He knows everything. No, but I, th- I think in fairness, I understand what Nina's saying. But the problem is, is Bran has so much access to all the information ever, basically. But he needs to have these kind of cues or clues or context and be directed in the yeah. right point. It's like That's if you go on the internet, in. you can go on Wikipedia and He's find Google. out almost anything. He's Google. But that doesn't mean it's relevant. <laughs> you know? uh, okay. Well, that's a fair point. Okay. Right. 
Maybe I'm being harsh, but to me, it kind of felt a little rushed. But yeah, the wedding ceremony and stuff, I mean, you know, that was, uh, it was really pretty. I love the contrast between that being really pure and holy and you were seeing something quite, as a viewer, made you quite uneasy because an aunt was fucking her nephew, even though they don't know about it. And they pretty much seem to be very much in love in that moment. But Rhaegar Targaryen, legend has it, he was meant to be a beautiful man. He looked like a scarecrow. He looked like a battered leather couch. I'm so disappointed. He looked like Daenerys' brother as well, right? Said that you yeah, were Viserys. Yeah, after he's been burnt and scorched to death. I was very, very disappointed. Yeah, because he's built very up as a really, you know, a beautiful man, apparently. You know, in, in, in seasons and he sings and all this. He looked like Donny Calabitati. <laughs> he didn't look very good, did he? So uh, it was a bit disappointed. But you know what? I think... The name, Mike. Great cheekbones, though. Great cheekbones. Okay. R- Rhaegar is Daenerys' brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, but okay. Mike, the name Aegon Targaryen. What a massive. Yeah. I mean, what is that? The third, the fourth? Aegon the fourth? Is he going to be something like that? Um, is he the fourth? I know. The basically, Rhaegar had had one son with the same name who was then subsequently murdered by the mountain, and that's when... Well, um, the, the real Aegon is the one who actually conquered Westeros. The first Aegon right. is the one, the ancestor. Like the, That is, Aegon the Conquer, Conqueror is the one who had two sisters, and uh, he shagged them, and that's how the dynasty starts, you know, with the right. ancestral, because they, they ran from... Um, uh, where, 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 where are they, Val? What's, where are they from? Valeria. Yeah, yeah. So they ran from there because mm. it all got destroyed by natural disasters, and basically that, that's all that was left: three dragons and three people. And they, he basically took his sisters as wives, and that's Aegon the Conqueror. He conquered everybody: the Starks, the Lannisters, the whole works. And that's three hundred years ago, centuries ago, and it kicks off. So him being named Aegon is humongous because that's the that's the start of the Targaryen dynasty, you know, in terms of on Westeros. So. <laughs> I just thought it carried weight, big time weight. So I can't, I haven't, I haven't read enough to know whether he's the second, third, or fourth. But he'll have a number next to it for sure. Yeah, I mean, people were, from what I read this morning, a bit. I didn't know anything about the name, but people were a bit confused because apparently Rhaegar's first son was also had that name. So people were like, well, so he's named two of his sons the same name, and it was a bit kind of people were a bit sort of didn't think it made any sense, but. I think it's, as you were saying, the history of the name, but I think it's also kind of irrelevant to an extent because we just know that John now is a Targaryen. It's, it's being consummated. I think him and Daenerys, Daenerys knew. She knew when, I don't know how early on, but especially when he, um, he made, he made, was it Drogon? He made Drogon per when John was stroking him and it's like, up. yeah, she knew up. that he was, he was a Targaryen. Like no one can just go up to a dragon and just pat it. You pet reckon? It and, and, I don't know. I just think she's probably thought this is really weird. I don't think she thinks he's a tag. No way. I don't know. I think, I thought, I think she had a, had an inkling that there was, he was someone cause and, and she got, and then her affection for him grew. And when he was then going away to go and go on that stupid suicide mission to get a white, <laughs> She had the look on her face looked like she was she, she was quite sort of sorrowful. So I just think she had an idea that he was a somebody rather than just you know a bastard. 
How do you yeah. guys think about the whole John and Danny situation? Do you think it's been handled well over this season? Yes, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, they've, yeah, they've, me too. They've taken time, you know. She was, they were at loggerheads for a long time, bend the knee, bend the knee, bend the knee, and then she lost a kid over it. He apologised, bent the knee. I just thought they'd perf- they've done it perfectly, absolutely perfectly, and they've, you know, they've actually got succeeded in their plan, in their whole mission of getting truce in there, what they think anyway, obviously she's a lying little shit, Cersei, but they think they've succeeded. So they're now going full pelt. Let's kick the shit out of the Night King. That ain't going to happen. Speaking of that bastard, Jessel, um, fucking hell, he looks totally different on a, on a, on a, on a, on Viserion, doesn't he? <laughs> oh yes. He's Holy got shit. some real talk between his legs now. Doesn't he? <laughs> Cock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, I just like to, Give a nice R.I.P. to the wall. Another tragic death on Game of Thrones. It's lasted for thousands of years and now it's gone. Um, so, yeah, it, this was essential. I think they move at a snail's pace, don't they, these White Walkers? You know, they probably were only about a mile away at the beginning of the season and they haven't made much <laughs> headway. But finally, he's got a dragon. They just rip through that wall like there's no tomorrow. My question, is Tormund still alive? Mm, I mean, he doesn't look hopeful, but... I don't know because at the end you see the whole wall is decimated. Every, you know you could you assume a, a vast majority. I don't of everyone think is dead. Is. I think there's a chunk of it that's taken out. I think there's still part of yeah, it. There? There is, yeah, there's a yeah. big part of it I'm still there. Hoping that Tormund's there. So. I think he is. I think they wouldn't kill him so easily like that. I think he, he, mm. people normally get a death where their throat slips open and blood gushes out like little finger. Yeah, he's not going to yeah. just he, just he, die like that, is he? No, it's too easy. And then you're no, thoughts. and we've. We were discussing in the WhatsApp group, weren't we? And uh, he can't die because he, 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 he needs to bed free. And, you know, that's the yeah. most eagerly uh, sex scene that everyone's anticipating, <laughs> right? That's not going to happen, Nina. It's not going to happen. It might that be shit needs to they... go down. Jamie, yeah. it's going to be Jamie and Brienne. They're going to end up happily ever after. Tormund will throw himself off the wall once he finds out. <laughs> and that'll be the end of What's it. What's left of it? I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just opened up. Nin, what were your thoughts on... Viserion with his blue, blue fire, blue flame. What I loved about that was it was it King's Landing where the the snow started falling before mm. that scene. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I thought that was quite, um, you know, a, a bit of a big scene, even though it was so small. But it was kind of as um, Jamie left as well. How so, like, wow. Yeah, it, yeah. It was kind of painting the picture that winter is coming fast, and you know, the danger, the threat is so so close. And then they pan to that, and yeah. First, you just see the army march upon them and they're thinking, shit, it's on our doorstep. And then in comes in um, Viserys and uh, obviously the, the the Night King on it and it just sort of blasting the wall out. Um, I think that was the perfect ending. It had to end that way. I think it sets up nicely for the last um, series. It's almost like now you're definitely not safe. We can penetrate your walls. That's it. It is pretty much gun core now, and it is full on war. And uh, I think, as a viewer, I think we're all quite excited because I don't think there's going to be one easy episode. I think it's going to be intense from start to end. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of death, isn't it? John, John, um, mm. you know, Kit Harrington actually said, you know, the eighth season, all he's expecting to do is be doing fight scenes, fight scenes, fight scenes, and getting knackered every day. And he goes, I can't wait. I love that part of the, the show. And it's 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 just going to be, apparently, every single one's feature length. So around 1 hour 20, 1 hour 30, every, all six episodes are going to be, you know, real good, long, 
shows, and I, I can't wait for that. That is one of the biggest things. I mean, I don't have much time left uh, on this show now. I've got to go soon. Uh, Jessel, any final thoughts, mate, before we go? Yeah, I just had a quick question for the group. What score would you give this entire season? Hmm. Mike, Nin, any scores out of 10? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give it an 8 out of 10. Wow. I might give it I a 7. I have no idea why. Seven, yeah, I'd go for a seven. It felt a bit rushed with the time shifts, and it kind of some of it didn't feel very Game of Thronesy. The way that people weren't dying as often or as tragically or as shockingly as previous seasons, um, they seem to be surviving a lot more. So that said, people have died. Obviously, little finger in this episode, and, and massive other things have been happening. So I can forgive it, and I can forgive some of its illogical nature. Um, but you're giving it a seven. Around. Yeah, I got a seven. And then give it an eight. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it an eight because there's been a lot of um, on-screen sharing of uh, iconic characters, mm. been a lot of gatherings. And as a viewer, I feel like I've got some payback in terms of, yes, you're right to criticise the, the sort of timescale and it doesn't really quite make sense. But I feel like it had to get a move on and it had to build mm-hmm. up this kind of um, pace and intensity to get to where we are right now so that's why i give it an eight because each episode for me has been very good nothing that i've slept on okay just so quickly your score i give it a seven and a half because i, I never rewatch episodes of any show except friends which is just my favorite show ever but this season of game of thrones i have rewatched every single episode and you can't say fairer than that it's a tv show it's entertainment and i've been really entertained I'm giving it a nine because I'll be honest, I've hosted this podcast and I've had to prepare and go through so much and watch this, this, this Egypt one. I think, I think the penultimate episode, I think I watched six times because it came out 10 days before the last one. So I just kept watching it and watching it and watching it. And even though there's so many holes in it, um, there was, I think two or three episodes, maybe four where you just went, Oh my God, how good was that? The, the 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 battle scenes with the dragons, the the tension of Jamie, uh, you think he's going to die? I mean, the amount of times they built tension in this show was fantastic this time round. Um, the 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 movement in terms of moving storylines forward, uh, and like Nin said, meet people meeting each other, and everything. I just thought they absolutely nailed it for a show that always, well, pretty much never gave you anything. Always made you feel bad. Always made you feel like shit that someone's died or whatever. This one was the most fulfilling season where you actually felt fucking yes. Punching the air so many times. Yes. Yes. But they still hurt you as well with the dragon. With, you know, they still, they still give you a kick in the gut where you, you, you were scared for stuff. I just thought it was an absolutely fantastic season to cover on On the Box. The guests were magnificent. <clears throat> the whole seven weeks for me has been a pleasure to cover and I cannot wait till I bring back the Game of Thrones season series on On The Box again in a year and a half's time maybe or however long it's going to be because all the same people will be here but by then I would have learned even more of the lore and gone into more history, maybe read the books, everything because it's going to be that final season we're going to cover, we're going to cover proper maybe two hour shows really really get into depth of it but um that's why i give it a nine so you can you can argue with me all you want but i've honestly enjoyed myself uh covering this podcast more than probably any liverpool podcast i've done in a long long time as well even though it's a lot of work in prepping it and stuff but 
Thank you so much, Nin. She's been part of the 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 the, the, the night's watch for a long time, <laughs> so she's done well. Mike, this was your first one, but it won't be mm. your last, I'm sure. And Jess has, done, Jess has done the final two as well on this series. Uh, massive thanks to Cam, um, uh, Stu. Who else was on? Um, Connor Simpson. Joe Joe Simpson. Yeah, Joey. Um, uh, Joe Simpson. I think that's everybody, isn't it? I don't think Rory was on in the end. Was he? Joe Connors. Yeah, Joey. Joe Connors. I call, I call him Joey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Joey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I call him Joey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you to all those that took part. It's been magnificent. And uh, massive thanks to yourself as well, Gags. Thank you very much for putting this together. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. And I think everybody's really enjoyed listening as well. When you when you're passionate about something, that that's, you've got to you've got to do it properly. So, um, anything to plug before we go, Jess? Uh, just my social media, Jessel TV. That's J E S A L T V. Mike. Um, just find me on Twitter, Mike underscore Pete underscore Williams. Nina? Listen to my shows, post-match show, we beat Arsenal 4-0. Got a special on Naby Keita. Listen to this pod, watch Game of Thrones, and check out AITV. New video coming soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. We'll be back, back to normal on the box. I'm going to have to watch some other TV because it's all been on pause. For forgot. But yeah, we'll be back and I'm sure Michael will be back. We'll, we'll be watching something else soon. <laughs> Bye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.